What do you think he was? I thought he was a gunslinger. Oh. Well, I learned something. Hello, everybody! We're kind of talking shit, and I'm trying to look something up real quick for Zach real, real fast. How well? Um, <laughs> stop trying no. to spawn a hamburger. He's not here. Yes, he is. He's always here by heart. No, he's not. I, <laughs> I ate empty tasted like chicken. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Whiskey Wednesdays, a fools and flagons show where I, the DM, review and discuss various topics regarding D and D as suggested by you and the lovely people in our Discord. Whiskey Wednesdays will be available the Wednesday after the live stream on our YouTube channel in VOD form and in uh, podcast form on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and many other mainstream podcast services. We have a calendar linked down below that uh, will show you when we're going to be streaming next and what's going to be streamed. Uh, and last but not least, donations are never required, but always appreciated. If you would like to support us, please consider our coffee page. All proceeds from donations and memberships go straight back into making Fools and Flagons an even better experience, and it helps keep the podcast alive and well. This shit always ain't cheap. required, never appreciated. Shut up, bread. <laughs> bread. All right, well, as you can see today, we have uh, Kirsten, Brick, Issa, Zach, and Pez. My. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just called me by my regular name, but you called him by Pez. Okay, whatever. I call you know, I'll be honest, names. I've been having trouble um, calling people by their normal names. Because every other week I have to call you by your characters, and you're named your characters in Discord. So I've literally started like thinking of Kirsten as Kasumi. And uh, I was about to say, and Brick as Brick. <laughs> Zeke as Brick. Yeah. Isa will just kind of always be Isa until she has a character that we play with, and then her name has to change. Of course. And unfortunately for Zach, and even him for me, I don't think we'll ever not be able to call each other by our names because we've known each other by our names for like 20 years. It's just... Well, I mean, your name is DM. Fucking, why would I call you any... Why would I call you DM? It's so yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah, I know. Old. Uh, honestly, I've been struggling between... Because I've always called you Nim. Because Mitchell just feels weird, and I feel like no, if I call you Mitchell, it feels like you're in trouble. I hate it. Stop it. <laughs> but, Nimchel. Nah. Nimchel, Nimchel. <laughs> but it's it's always been Nim or Nimothy, but here recently, I've been really struggling to not accidentally call you Pez. <laughs> well, I feel touched. Inappropriately. Uh, it was me. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and take my first drink for the night and get this party started. Oh my goodness. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. What you uh, drinking? Uh, the last of my tealings. No, no, no. Oh, oh sorry. I want you to guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. it, it, it is the, the last of my previous bottle of tealings. I have... Oh god, I don't even know how many ounces that Tullamore Dew is. It's it's the big one. Like, it wouldn't even fit in a pitcher kind of big one. I can see, I can see Ian going into the fucking like, liquor store. It's like, you guys got Tullamore Dew? We just got the big one. I'll take eight! <laughs> um, and then I got another bottle of um, Teelings. And that, that ran me like 90 bucks. My, my dad was there and he was like, oh god. That's a lot of money. It's like, yeah, but this is going to last me for like a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, but big monster. But big monster. Um, can, can I start off this with a rant? Oh, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yay. Slams little cobalt hands on a bar top. Hip -ba -ba! 
My computer will shut off. Minotaurs should be not medium. Uh, do you mean they should be large? Yes. Well, how big is a... So, you guys know medium this a little creatures go anywhere from four feet to eight feet. And Toy. also, centaurs are considered medium. I think, to be fair, this is one of those, they're not doing it to be a dick, they're doing it because large creatures would force DMs, you'd have to, you'd have to have, what is it, you'd have to have specifically tailored areas for that creature. Right. Is the Goliath considered large? No, they're still no. considered oh. medium. So yeah, the the main stupid. thing about why player races are never uh, anything other than small or medium is because small and medium creatures still take up a um, five foot by five foot square. If you were allowed to go to be a tiny creature, a tiny creature only takes up a quarter of a five foot square if you're considering a battle map. A large creature takes up a two by two square. That can cause not only complications for the DM, like what Zach was saying, but complications for the player as well. Because all of a sudden, <clears throat> you can't fit through doorways anymore. You can't fit through crawl spaces. You wouldn't be able to climb normal ladders and ropes. You're just too big. You can crouch. Debatable. You can't crouch up a rope. Debatable. Uh, try me. That's actually now, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually debatable. <laughs> you know, it's it's now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking of the old Batman where they literally just turned the camera sideways and they just like constipated walked up the side of a building. Yeah, um, or like now, where they're where they're completely like their their knees are in their chest and they're holding onto the rope like to not fall off, but they're trying to inch their way up like a worm. Yeah. Um Horns now, don't count. I will say um, there was a homebrew class when back way, way, way back uh, like COVID time when we were trying to do the text-based campaign on the Discord, which crashed and burned horribly. Um, <laughs> but there was a Lamia race that I really wanted to try out because I've always just really liked snakes and I thought it was kind of cool. But there was a cool feature on it that I hadn't seen anywhere, really, where if you move... You take up a one by two. You can take an action to curl yourself up and fit into a five by five. But it was it was an interesting concept that I hadn't really seen explored before. I think Minotaurs should have that, and the way they do that is they just suck in their gut. They just, eh, they just suck their works. head in. Or you could go with like the Tauren in uh, World of Warcraft, and like if they were to stand up straight straight, they'd be fucking huge. But instead, they just kind of no, like. No, you're thinking of trolls. No, no, I'm thinking of the Tauren. If, if they were to like fully raise their head, if that were even possible, they would be oh. gigantic. But they're like hunched. They are. Uh, their their neck is hunched forward, but that's also like walking with an upright neck. That's not normal for Tauren. Like no, I know they, their neck doesn't move like that. No, no it, it's not like... physically possible. I'm just saying that if they could, kind of like. <laughs> and get their head up, then they would be even bigger. Fucking trolls are, like, fucking eight and a half foot tall. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, And then one other little side tangent. Uh -huh. I think the best depiction of minotaurs in media would probably be from the first line, which in the wardrobe. 
because those minotaurs were fucking badass because they were all practical effects. Mm. Let's see here. Yeah, I just um, picked probably my favorite looking minotaur. Yeah, that's oh, a good question. I think the well, not my favorite, the way preferred. Like if I had to pick a look for a minute. Oh, perfect. Uh, where should I put this? Creatures, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. So long as it's not explicit. No, 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 no. no. I know what your tw I know what your Twitter's like. <laughs> <laughs> I put the tame stuff on there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that so honestly looks like someone took a char and put a minotaur head on it. Like, doesn't that look like the racial armor that the that the char have? <laughs> I can see the inspiration, yeah, but at the same time, like, I've seen a lot of armor like that, so... Like, I could definitely see where you're coming from, but at the same time, like... It is still pretty... Oh, also, Nim, random note, I figured out how to do the alt crop thing, so thank you so much for telling me about that. Yay! <clears throat> yeah, I do. Though of our audio listeners, there is now a picture in the bar. Look at it. It's yeah. so muscular. It looks really muscular. cool. Like I would personally not play a character like that because I would. I'm afraid that I would, you know, f make men and women flock to me for things. I mean, when we yeah, were doing that, Dragon's but, uh, Odyssey, I played a Minotaur, and I fucking loved it. Yes, but like, you also didn't try to sex up everything. True, he was a he was quite the Irish gentleman, but I just I kind of like some of the little like off tangent things. Like I I believe it was um, Kirsten's character Briona that put the little charm on his horn from his grandmother, yes. and it's like oh mm -hmm. yes, the one that was cute. the one that we had to pretend you weren't crazy in talking to. Yes. Honestly, yeah, I think little... that campaign had one of my favorite player moments in it when I shot the slave dealer with a like a Cupid arrow or something. <laughs> that was funny. I still remember what was it when the harpies were coming. That was back before Lapine or before Herringon were a thing, and that's when we had Lapines and we had play tested. And I jumped, and Zeke just had this look on his face where he's like, "You're as high as the harpies are in the air now." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, yay! Yeah, Rabbit jump, good! Say what you will about... Well, I don't even know where I'm going with that thought, but somehow Zach always knows how to put the fear of God in me whenever I DM. <laughs> well, it's, it's, okay, it's the same with... It's the same with the... Well, actually, you know what? This is going to be a whis Whiskey, Wednesday's to uh, Whiskey Wednesday's topic. Okay. Zach. <laughs> in D&D. <Zach. laughs> <Zach> in D&D. <laughs> We're gonna come up with a couple things to talk about for next time. We do. Oh wait, will I be here? Yeah, I will. I will be here. That's right. Cause yeah, because be you're here. you'll be out of town for next week, but you'll be back in time for D and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'll be next week. Yeah, add will that to I the list. <laughs> well, wait, uh, will I be here? I don't know. Yeah, I'll will be you? here. I'll be here. Tough fucking luck if you are. So now, Zach, let me ask <laughs> you. As far as this topic is concerned, are you thinking more like? You want us to tell stories of Zach being Zach in D and D, or let's do that. But let's also do the way Zach thinks while he plays games, like D and D. Like, okay, so I'll, I'll put down uh, past stories and min maxing. Well, it's it's interesting though, and we'll save this for mo mostly for later. But it's not just about him min maxing; it's literally how Zach plays. I because... don't. He 
he takes the words you can do anything to the extreme and honestly there's probably a lot that everyone could learn as as a player from zach yeah add absolutely add like so we'll come up with this later but we'll, we'll come up with a couple things in there to add later but let's continue on to what we have for tonight well no, i mean if you have it fresh on your mind go ahead and tell me i have the document open i'm ready to type so like let's come up with scenarios oh and, and see how, Zach and see how i would react to them <laughs> okay see how i would specifically All right. react to that situation okay hold on uh so in the discord i'm doing here everyone has whiskey wednesdays homework <laughs> like a combat situation doesn't have to be combat it could be combat it could be uh stealing it could be breaking and entering it could be anything and i will i will not react to it i will do my best not to look at the topics until <clears throat> that night so that it so, is a fresh reaction so that you can see everyone exactly has whiskey wins his homework thinking. whoever wants to participate please come up with a scenario for zach to overcome in regards to D D. I already have that one mind that I've been kind role of play, to combat, anything. Feeling like literally if anything. You... Oh, oh, I know I know how to do. Uh um <clears throat> I'm actually really looking forward to this. Yeah, Zach, you're gonna have to choose like a specific character to go into these scenarios with though. Oh, it's Honestly, I'll do it as on. Okay. One, because I like Zon. Two, because I don't have any more character slots. <laughs> Alright, so please post it here with the spoiler tag by putting the blah blah on either side of your scenario. Like this. Oops, well that didn't work. So just be glad that I didn't ask Ian if I could do a hybrid race of Minotaur Centaur. That Bruh. was exactly what we came up with for the one for the for the R thing. It's like I I told Ian my character and the traits behind it. And I'm like, he's like, oh, are you gonna are you gonna do a Dragonborn? I'm like, no, Heron gone. <laughs> I should have like, seen it coming. I really should have. Oh, yes. <laughs> He should have, but I found it hysterical because it's actually a subspec of fucking sorcerer. So, uh, anybody that is currently watching this live or is listening to this on podcast form next Wednesday, if you have a scenario that you would like Zach to try to overcome, please join the Discord. Link should be down below or in the description of this particular podcast so you can join. It's free to join, even if you just pop in to just say hi, post this, and never come back again. Even if you just want to lurk, you want to come in and talk. Whatever. We're welcome. We welcome damn near everybody. Uh, except commies. No commies. And you don't have to make it hard either. If you want, like, a basic no. situation... You can literally can just say cool Zach anything. versus Brick Wall. And yeah. if you've been, been with that. us for a while, you understand the reference, but you know, we'll see what he comes up with. <laughs> uh, if you do think of it, and you're able to, and you're able to, or know how to put the spoiler marks around it, it at least saves him the uh, accidental looking up of the scenarios to pre-plan. So, with that being said, I'm kind of excited for next week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, shall we get started? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we've already started, but shall we, shall we pick a topic uh, off get the menu? Get back on track. 
Absolutely. Are we rolling the dice again? Nah, fuck that. Roll a d5. Oh, mm, yeah, that's the problem. We don't have a d5. I'm just going to go on and start talking about the Bladesingers. Um, yeah. So if a wizard could those. rage. So honestly, I, I was a little underwhelmed. Like, going, hearing the name of them, I was expecting mm, more. Uh but anyway, I'll, I'll read through the uh, the doohickey real quick, and we'll go ahead and put that on <laughs> the screen. It's a, it's a little small, I know, but it's kind of the best I can do at the moment without just completely covering the whole screen. Um, sometimes God gives you a small doohickey. Tim, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we get started? Moss is great. Okay, moving on. Uh, Blade Singers, as far as Blade wizards are concerned. Bladesingers master a tradition of wizardry that incorporates swordplay and dance. Originally created by elves, this tradition has been adopted by non-elf practitioners who honor and expand on the elven ways. In combat, a bladesinger uses a series of intricate, elegant maneuvers that fend off harm and allow the bladesinger to channel magic into devastating attacks and a cunning defense. Many who have observed a bladesinger at work remember the display as one of the more beautiful experiences in their life. A glorious dance accompanied by a singing blade. So, second level, training in war and song. You gain proficiency with light armor, which for anyone who doesn't know, uh, wizards and sorcerers are one of the few classes uh, that cannot wear armor. Uh, the idea behind it is that their uh, hand motions and what they need to do is too constrained by armor and they don't dedicate the practice to be able... Generally, they do not practice the ability to cast with the heavier armor on, so they prefer to not wear it at all so that they are free to move. So with a wizard being able to have any armor at all is fucking massive. Um, you gain proficiency with one type of one-handed melee weapon of your choice. You also gain proficiency in the performance skill if you don't already have it. The other second level thing that you get is Bladesong, the namesake of the uh, subclass. You can invoke an elven magic called the Blade Song, provided that you are not wearing medium or heavy armor or using a shield. It graces you with supernatural speed, agility, and focus. You can use a bonus action to start the Blade Song, which lasts for one minute. It ends early if you are incapacitated. If you don medium or heavy armor or a shield, or if you use two hands to make an attack with a weapon. So if you have a versatile weapon that lets you attack with one hand or two hands, it ends your uh, Blade Song. I'm not entirely sure why you would cast Blade Song for one minute and then take the hour it takes to put on medium and heavy armor to, you know. Anyway, that, that seems like a really <laughs> stupid... Um, the shield I can understand, because the shield is a very quick thing to put on. Anyway, uh, you can also dismiss the Blade Song at any time. No action required. <laughs> While your Blade Song is active, you gain the following benefits. You gain a bonus to your AC equal to your intelligence modifier, minimum of one. That is fucking huge if you consider the fact that a wizard uses their intelligence as their spellcasting modifier. Huge. Huge. So not only are you getting light armor, which is, uh, what, a plus one, plus two to your AC? Plus one? Uh, so light armor and medium armor uh, both have a base. I think the best light armor is a 12 plus uh, your dexterity. And... I think light armor does not put a restriction on how much dexterity can be added. So you're if you have 
say you have a full uh, 20 in your dexterity slot. That's already 17. Yeah, and then if you, uh, as a wizard, you should have your intelligence max. So that's another, you know, 20 in there. So you're looking at 22 AC as a fucking wizard. Uh, your walking speed increases by 10 feet. You have advantage on dexterity checks, acrobatics checks, sorry. Uh, you gain a bonus to constitution saving throw you make to maintain your concentration on a spell. And that particular bonus equals your intelligence modifier. So you could have a plus five to your concentration checks. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and you gain all expended uses of it when you finish a long rest. So that's kind of the bread and butter of a blade song. It, it's... It's very good. I was just very underwhelmed with the next three features you get. Keep in mind, it's only three more features. So I was actually going to ask, since I'm kind of actually looking at this class as we're talking about it, Spell Mastery doesn't seem to have a spell that you can choose. What do you mean? So, I'm going down here looking at like all these different things, um, and... At 18th level, you get Spell Mastery. And it says mm-hmm. choose two spells. Doesn't actually give you any spells to choose from, though, for me. Uh, so, you have achieved such mastery over certain spells that you can cast them at will. Choose a first level wizard spell and a second level wizard spell that are in your spell book. You oh, can I cast those spells at their lowest level without expending a spell slot when you have them prepared. If you want to cast either spell at a higher level, you must expend a spell slot as normal. I think it's because I don't have any wizard spells picked, so I might explain that. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm also looking at the actual, like, that part of the book. So it is going to um, expound a little bit more here than it would in your character creation, where it's trying to keep things, like, short and concise. Uh, So let me go over these last three um, features real quick, because they are very, very short. And this is where I start to be like, this seems a little eh to me. Um, at 6th level, you get extra attack. You can attack twice instead of once. Weird, I know. That's just... Who would have thought that attacking twice means more than one? Um, whenever you take the attack action on your turn. I'm salty today. I don't know why. Moreover, you can cast one of your cantrips in place of one of those attacks. Which, that is cool. You basically can have a melee attack and cast a cantrip. Uh, at 10th level, you get Song of Defense... You can direct your magic to absorb damage while your blade song is active. When you take damage, you can use your reaction to expend one spell slot and reduce the damage to you by an amount equal to five times the spell slot's level. So you um, you sacrifice a second level spell slot, you're reducing the damage dealt to you by ten. And lastly, we've got 14th level, Song of Victory. You can add your intelligence modifier to the damage of your melee weapon attacks while your blade song is active. So, you know, end game, or not even necessarily end game, but if you have a full 20 in it, then you're adding an extra 5 damage to your melee attacks. So, it's like, it it seems good, but I don't think it's one that I would pick. Now, see, in all fairness, you were the one that suggested this, so... I would like you to take the floor and weigh in on this. Absolutely. So uh, to address your first concern of like, oh, yeah, there aren't that many uh, class perks. Mm -hmm. Um, That's true for wizards across the board. Uh, Wizards uh, are one of those classes that 
their main thing is going to be spellcasting, uh, and they are arguably uh, the most versatile spellcaster in the game, so most of their stuff is just going to come from spells. They That's each fair. get about five class abilities each. Um, I will say that someone pointed out to me um, this class gets a lot better if you take uh, if you do dual wielding and take a couple of feats to augment that. Uh, I know there's a feat to give you uh, the dual wielding fighting style. Uh, there's a feat that makes it uh, to where um, you can cast spells without a free hand. Well, so um, here's another question I've got. Um, mm -hmm. If we're considering that the wizard is using like a normal sword, you know, you go to the market, you buy a metal sword. Um, right. Does all of this still kind of work if you were to use like, uh, oh my god, I just blinked on this. Let's like flame blade or something. Like, there's a spell that you basically create a blade out of fire or something. Yes, the uh, shadow blade would uh, would be a better example. I think. I think. I know there's definitely a spell called shadow blade. I think it's like. 2d8 damage per hit so it's already unbelievably strong um but if i actually let's me look up and see if i can find the spell right now yeah what am i doing i have dnd &D beyond right here laid so did you see what the other so i've got the dewielder in for you right now uh, pull your microphone a little bit closer please did you see what other thing other than dual wield that you needed for that specific uh, so, if you wanted to do a wield, you would need a couple of feats. You would need, uh, I think it's, you would need the fighting style feat, which gives you, uh, one of the fighting styles from the fighter class. So, fighting initiate, uh, I'm guessing? Yeah, fighting initiate, I think. Zeke, I was thinking uh, of green flame blade. That's what I was thinking of. It's a cantrip. Fighting. Um, you can add your yeah. ability modifier to the damage of the second attack. Okay, yeah, there you go. So, I got both yeah. of those there for you. Um... So the one I was thinking of, though, Ian, uh, mm -hmm. is called... It's a second-level illusion spell from Xanathar's. Uh, casting time is one bonus action, so you don't have to use up an action. Um, and it's concentration up to one minute, so it lasts as long as your blade song, if a little more or a little less, depending on what order you do things in. Um, you said it was illusion? What was it called again? Uh, it's called Shadow Blade. Uh, just to read through its uh, kind of blip here... You weave together threads of shadow to create a sword of solidified gloom in your hand. This magic hmm. sword lasts until the spell ends, so one minute. It counts as a simple melee weapon in which you are proficient, and it deals 2d8 psychic damage on a hit, has the finesse, light, and thrown properties. Uh, range hmm. of 20 uh, normal and 60 at disadvantage. In addition, when you use the sword to attack a target that is in dim light or darkness, you make the attack roll with advantage. If you drop the weapon or throw it, it dissipates at the end of the turn. Uh, thereafter, while the spell persists, you can use a bonus action to cause the sword to reappear in your hand. Uh, if you cast the spell at higher levels using a third or fourth, damage increases a 3d8. If you cast it at fifth or sixth, it increases a 4d8. If you cast the spell using seventh level higher, it increases to 5d8. So this would count for uh, your sword for the spell song. <laughs> I don't like Sorry. that giggle. I did. I just found out there's a jump spell, and I'm playing a heron gun that can. You didn't know there was a jump spell. I'm using this in tandem because heron gun's rabbit hop is a jump. No, no, I get that. I'm just surprised you didn't know the jump was a was a spell. I figured you would have found that by now. So Rabbit Hop, I think at level 20 is 35 feet. It triples its distance. 
process that. I could jump a hundred feet through the air. You're literally just like standing in the nightly kingdoms and go, I'm gonna go home, guys. Pew! You can leap <laughs> right over the whispering sea. A single bound. It's like, please continue. I'm sorry, I'm giggling like an evil fucking. Master, no, you're fine. Actually, uh, Zach, if you would kind of summarize the two feats I pointed out, um, since uh, you said yeah, you hadn't sure. pulled up. Actually, now that I can see this, I didn't actually realize dual wielding gave you the dual wielding. I thought it was just it augmented it so that it would make it better. But now that it gives it to you, that makes a lot of sense. So any any character can dual wield, uh, but uh, unless you have the fighting style, you don't get to add any bonuses to the offhand attack. And unless you have the uh, other feet, uh, it's still a little bit more restricted. You're cool. So, so dual is super easy. You gain plus one AC while you hold a weapon in each hand, and you can use two weapon fighting even with one hand melee wieldings. So, r- okay. real, real quick, just I want to touch on two weapon fighting. The way that works is that mm-hmm. as your main attack, your the main weapon in your main hand, you would roll the dice and add your bonus damage to it. So if it's like. 2d8 plus 5, cool. If you have that exact same, like a copy of that weapon in your offhand, as a bonus action, you can attack with your offhand. Same weapon, but you don't get to add the bonus. You would only get to roll the 2d8 for damage. What these feats are doing is it's also letting you add that plus 5 as well. So, please right. continue. Uh, yeah, so I do want to point out Shadowblade is sufficient. She would summon two Shadowblades. Um, sorry, you kind of crinkled there for a minute what'd you say uh so shadow blade is concentration so you wouldn't be able to summon two of those so if you were using uh shadow blade and another blade um it would be so sorry if you were doing dual wielding you would be shadow blade in one hand regular sword in another hand unless you had you like that one item that i have the ring of the split oh, yeah. or something yeah but unless you had a there there are hand. ways to circumvent that but it's not always ideal because with concentration as soon as you get hit and if you're in melee you're gonna get hit so just right you know keep that in mind right sorry Zach. continue oh okay uh one second let me go back I'm out <laughs> spells and i'm kind of i'm kind of giggling at the fact that i might have another evil <laughs> uh, so uh let's see here so I went with Force Feet was Warcaster because, yeah, why not? I mean, having uh, advantage on concentration checks and being able to cast a spell as a uh, opportunity attack is, it's almost yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, dual wielder is super good. You get plus one AC while you're wielding a separate melee weapon in each hand. So, two weapons plus one AC. Literally, if you don't do that and you have the ability to, you're dumb. Um, you can always use two weapon fighting even when... The one-handed melee weapons you're wielding aren't light, so you can use two not-light yeah. one-handed weapons. Yeah, and normally, then you can... Sorry, I did want to cut in and, and specify. Normally, for dual wielding, you have to use something like two short swords or two uh, small hand axes because mm-hmm. they can't be any bigger than a very light object. This feat allows you to use, like, two long swords to go ham. Yep. Which does um, a lot more damage. And it also just allows you to pull both of your weapons out at the same time instead of one. Well, so, like, imagine you just have a sheath that pulls out two swords instead of pulling out one with each hand and wasting actions to do that. So, a question about that feat real quick. Yep. If got? we consider the fact that the wizard, the wizard itself is limited to the weapons it can carry, does this feat override that? Or does it just override it in the sense it of, like, says, a fighter? I'm willing to so, that money you could probably... Go ahead. Uh, 
Yeah, so you gained profi- uh, so the actual word of training in war and song, you gain the proficiency of one type of one-handed melee weapon of your choice. So as long as you take this feat, and say you did like a variant human, which gets a feat right off the bat, um, you could probably do uh, do it to where uh, you choose, oh, I'm going to choose longsword, and then if you line up the feats correctly, uh, you can introduce dual wielding as kind of a feature later on, and that way you just pick up two longswords. Hmm. Okay. Because it's just a type of weapon, not the specific weapon like I have to do for um, Eldritch Knight. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, fighting initiative is pretty straightforward. Um, it just allows you to add your modifier to the damage of the second weapon type you have. So if you're using two long swords, your second weapon also gets all the modifiers. Yep. Cool. Uh, sorry, go ahead. That was it? No, okay. I just said cool. Uh, Ian. Um, there is a, a little bit of, um, rule lawyering, um, and Ian, I realized this when I was researching it, uh, the other day, that this is probably a subject we need to talk about, and I'm calling myself out here because I have not kept track of this, uh, because I completely forgot this was a thing. Um, normally, when you have a spell that needs a, uh a so, uh, somatic, somatic component which is mm-hmm. uh, you waving your hands or doing something mm-hmm. um, you need to have a, a hand that doesn't have anything in it Brick often has two things in see it, that's uh, that's always kind of bothered me cause like okay I get it a shield yeah you're holding it but you can wiggle your fingers and it's still attached to your arm right like that just that's always bothered me. So well, that's that's I always... why I haven't really been saying anything about it because I know that with you having a shield, like, yeah, your, your palm is, like, held together, but you can still wiggle your, your fingers and all at least. So I... Eh. Well, what I was saying is um, this will highly depend on how your DM feels about this subject, mm-hmm. but if you are dual-wielding as a blade singer technically according to rules as written you cannot cast spells without a third feat and i believe it's uh war mage or i'd, I'd have to find it again because I've, I've forgotten which one it is uh, but there is, is not great about letting you just scroll through feats uh there there is a you might have to do some digging there is a feat that allows uh you rules as written to cast uh a somatic spell without a free hand that so does sound that is familiar. Isn't it yeah, like subtle is, casting is, or something like that? Maybe I I honestly can't remember. It, I know it's, it's lumped in with a couple of other things inside the feat. I know that that's um, a feature that uh, sorcerers can take, so I'm sure it's a feat somewhere. Yeah, uh, and I'm just saying for anyone who's listening and for the group as a whole, that just is largely a conversation up to you and your DM about whether or not you would have to take that third feat for a dual wielding uh, blade singer. Um. And I mean, so that if, was, that was... if I wanted to be okay. a real stickler, like whenever Brick says, oh, well, I'm going to pull out my, my gun. It's like, okay, well, that's going to take a whole action because you have to drop your sword and pull the gun out. Your turn's over. Right. But for me, if I wanted to play a hardcore game and really make my players think, yeah, I'd, I'd go for that. I want Brick to shoot shit. I don't want to have him waste an entire turn pulling out the judge with a three-foot barrel like, hang on, guys, it's almost out of the holster. Like, no, just pull it out and shoot it. I don't, if, 
Like yeah. you frame Roger Reddick. Yeah, again, I'm all about the rule. Me personally, I'm all about the rule of cool. But every now and then I do have to crack down on the rules because there's just some stuff that I don't want to overlook because it will break the game. Right. Um, last, kind of one of the last things I did want to kind of sing the praises of uh, for this um, is because this um, this class is almost the reverse of how I play as an Eldritch Knight, because Eldritch Knight is, oh, you're a fighter, you can hit stuff really hard, but we're going to give you a little bit of magic. Blade Song is, oh, you're a wizard, you cast a lot of spells, but we're going to give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of hit Man, something like... and a little bit of tank. And they do that really well at 10th level with Song of Defense, um, which is the one where you can absorb damage. Well, if you think you about use it, a spell at... slot to absorb damage, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> at 10th level, Wizard already has a 5th level spell slot, and I think he has more than one. So if you really took a hit that would really hurt, you can just mitigate 25 points of damage right off the bat. Which is... That's huge. Yeah, that that can get really strong, especially at later levels, where if you have the slots to burn, and granted, you don't have many, uh, but I think starting at... Yeah, starting at Okay, yeah. Starting at uh 18th level. Like you're in-game content. You have three you have three fifth level spells just to be like, "Oh, 25 damage there, 25 damage there, 25 damage there." And that's not even your whole arsenal. You still have tons of other spells to choose from. So, it is it is a very nice ability um when push comes to shove. One I've, of these days, I definitely doing... want to play a wizard. I think that, wizard I, I think is... that would be a lot of fun for me. I definitely yeah. can see. I'm not gonna. I wish I would have taken like this. Would be a very good class for Zon as well. Like this is a lot of shit I would take for Zon. What yeah. uh, wizard, wizard or blade song? Uh, blade song wizard, like mm. a yeah. lot. Like this is <clears throat> on par. No, honestly, I'm pretty sure I'd be more deadly as this than Zon. I think I'd. Probably go for Chronergy or Graviturgy. Yeah, the introduction of those with Matthew Mercer's um, new school of magic, Dunamancy, has been definitely a game changer. Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing I love about uh, Wizards is like you get this access to a whole just it probably has one of the largest uh, spell lists that you can choose from in the game. Uh, and there is so much that you can do to be a jack-of-all-trades while still also focusing in one area to give you that extra oomph, which is what the schools are for, these subclasses that the wizard has. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, School of Evocation is very popular because a lot of the healing spells are evocation, and all of the elemental damage spells are evocation. Fireball. Or at least, not, maybe not all of them, but maybe 90% of them are. Let's be honest, and the most just, important one is in there. Yeah, the most important one. Uh, but, like, same thing I was talking about. These guys, wizards, only get five abilities. Well, one of, uh, like, some of their abilities, potent cantrip for School of Evocation. Starting at sixth level, your damage cantrips affect even creatures that avoid the brunt of the effect. When a creature succeeds on a saving throw against your cantrip, the creature still takes half damage. So, for all for those, those who are not aware... Like, oh, if you have a cantrip that makes the opposing, that makes your target have to roll a save, if they succeed, it's no damage whatsoever. Yeah, 
and at later levels where you're dealing that 3d6, 4d6, 5d6 cantrip, that mm -hmm. really hurts. <clears throat> uh, at 10th level, you can add your intelligence modifier to one damage roll of any wizard's evocation spell you can cast. So you add that extra oomph to a fireball. Um, yeah, Every little bit adds up, man. Yeah. The wizards do not get a lot of uh, uh, class abilities, but they get a some really good ones in the right places. They are able to access more spells than most any other class, I would think. Uh, yeah. I can see that. Um, and while they don't have the same access to them, like a druid or a cleric would, because they get to choose what new spells they want every day and can switch them out, wizards can just go out and find them in the world. And if you have a very nice DM, there's a spell scroll waiting for you around every corner. And even if it's not a spell scroll, like if they just find a spell in a book and you give them the time to put it into their own tome, so long as they are able to transcribe it and they have the materials to do so, they can more or less cast any spell in the game. Yes. Yeah. More or that, less. Maybe like 80% of them, but still. That's still <laughs> more or less. Like more 80% or less. of the spells in a game where you've got like three, 400 spells, it feels like, that's a lot, man. So, Wizard is definitely one of those, like, yeah, you're squishy. Yeah, there's a, there's the joke of uh, 1d4 damage will kill you at lower levels, because back in the other forms of the game, it actually did. But, man, you give them enough time, and they will just destroy yeah. everything. You give them enough time, and you leave them in the back line? Jesus fuck, Batman. And Wizards yeah. also have Arcane Recovery, don't they? Or No, that's uh, Warlock. I, let me check. Uh, hmm. Yeah, they got arcane recovery. A couple of okay. classes have arcane recovery. Yeah, there it is. Okay, and you get that at fourth level. Uh, yeah. Actually, no wait. No wait. You get that at second level. <laughs> yeah, you get that at second level. Uh, damn. Actually, you might get that right off the bat. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't really say. It's weird. I think you just get that right off the bat. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The wizard that I have on here has got a charisma uh, modifier of 22. That doesn't surprise me at all. I don't... charisma even do it. Damn you, Will Wheaton! <laughs> Why'd you give Zach all your luck, you fuck? <laughs> Take it back. So wait, so... What modifies wizard spells? Is it charisma? No, no, it's intelligence. It's yeah, the intelligence. Old, uh, Sorcerer is, the, a, is charisma. Why the fuck do I have 22, 22 charisma? Wait a minute. You did that wrong. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's because I'm... I just... I did re... Uh, I redid Ren, and he had that chess piece from your campaign that has fucking plus oh, one charisma. Yeah. Oh, got it. Some strange reason. No, see, I yeah. took that away, and it didn't go away. Why didn't it go away? Uh... You, that that character was broken from the get go. Like yeah, something this character was wrong with right now. Sheet. At level twenty, strength sixteen, dexterity sixteen, constitution twenty, intelligence twenty, wisdom ten, eh. charisma yeah. twenty two. <laughs> D and D Beyond, I love you guys, but you really need to hustle up and fix homebrewing and make it a lot more streamlined. Because right now it's far too complicated and it's broken. Yeah, rabbit hot. You can jump. 
30 feet without provoking opportunity attacks. <laughs> and if you cast the jump spell, it triples the distance you can jump. Well, yeah, it's not going to trigger that. an opportunity attack. No one's fucking expecting you to go up. No, no, no. No, it's just like, but the thing is, Rabbit Hop isn't just up. It's in a direction. I'm aware of that. No one's expecting that, Zach. <laughs> I'm aware. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects the Rabbit Hop. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Blazinger definitely, and Wizards in general, uh, Everyone just seems so scared to play them because it's like, oh, it's a lot of spells, or oh, they're not, they don't get that good stuff, or oh, they're really squishy. Just, I mean, in all fairness, though, it is a so lot. Fun. It is a lot. It is definitely not a, oh, I'm a first time player. Let me play a wizard. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> that's down. that's a lot of info to try to hold in at the get go. Like you, you need to play a little bit first before you really delve yeah. into wizards because. It's a lot of stuff you got to keep track of. It's a lot of nuances and positioning. And again, like you have access to 80% of the spells available in the game. You, you got to know what's going on. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of wizards, uh, unfortunately, Zami isn't here, even though they were the one that suggested this. I think they were just being a bit of an asshole when they wrote it. Um, but wizard singing bards... So I was going to ask them if they were here, what the fuck they meant by that. And if they weren't, uh, I was going to see what everyone else thought that might potentially mean. Like, wh which subclass would a wizard singing bard be? <laughs> Funny enough, this actually opens up a conversation to one of the bard's more interesting abilities. Okay. Uh... So, for anyone who has played a bard or hasn't played a bard, um, bards have this interesting ability, let me find the name of it, called uh, Magical Secrets. Uh, I don't know, Ian, if you have looked into um, this before. Is it just a basic class feature? Yeah, it is, it is across the board, all bards get this. By 10th level, you have plundered magical knowledge from a wide spectrum of disciplines. Choose two spells from any classes, including this one. A spell you choose must be of a level you can cast, as shown on the bard table, or a cantrip. The chosen spells count as bard spells for you and are, and are included in the number of spells known column of the bard table. You learn two additional spells from any classes at 14th and 18th. So you basically, at level 18, have six spells. Any six spells, so long as you can cast it of, of an appropriate level. Yeah, Wait, and so the, you get to choose multiple spells multiple times while you're leveling up. It, it unlocks at level 10? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then 14, and then 18. And I want to point out, for any fans of Critical Role, uh, this is actually where Scanlan gets a lot of his signature spells. Because, fun Bigby's fact, hand. Bigby's Hand is not on the bard list. It is a wizard spell that he got yeah. using this. Uh, I actually believe the Magical Mansion is also not a bard spell. That is a wizard uh, spell. I, that is absolutely yeah. not a bard spell. Uh, so oh. when you say wizard singing bard, bards can literally sing wizard spells into existence. Uh, Fair. That, I'm scrolling and there's a lot of spells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's not limited to, um, I guess you could say, arcane-based spells. They can cast 
uh, cleric spells as well. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. It literally it says <laughs> spells from any classes. Any. Yep. Now, again, something to keep in mind with bards is once they learn a spell, that's it. They have it. You cannot change your spells on a long rest like you can with druids and clerics and shit. Isn't it like right. every couple, a couple of levels that you get up or something like that? Oh. No. No. Oh, wow. I, no, I it, can't wild shape. Well, that's not a spell. That's a class ability. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I think you there. There is there is a class that lets you change your. I think you're thinking of warlock. I think a warlock when they level up they can choose one spell to swap. Uh, a couple of classes can do that. I think sorcerer might be able to do that as well. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of classes because even eldritch knight can be like, ah, I'm going to swap this one out. This one wasn't working, uh, yeah. but it has to do that every time you level up. Uh, bard with Eldritch Blast. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Okay, so we basically just discovered that wizard singing bards are basically any bard. <laughs> any bard. <laughs> All right. And that's oh, fine. Uh, all right. Well, that covers that. Zami, thank you for the recommendation. Uh, so... I just found a way to have a wizard modifier of plus 13 to hit, and that's not even as high as it can go. Oh, God. See, this is what you're going to have to deal with here, chat, is figuring out a way to make him just be like, what? <laughs> the highest I can see this going is plus 13. <laughs> I just saw Zami's just... recommendation. Yeah. I just... What's the... Uh, what's? The... I can't remember what it's from, but there's like a sort of famous scene where it's like... I want guards stationed everyone. I want I want big guards and I want small guards to make the big guards look even bigger. And I want them stationed like this. Big guard, little guard, big. Oh. Uh, big. Oh, that's the Simpsons movie. When he's outside yeah. the dome. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's everyone trying to create a situation that that Zach can't get through. <laughs> okay. If uh, only I didn't know. So, before we start talking about Zach being a min-maxing genius, um, <laughs> the next topic is another one of Zeke's. Um, yeah. It is Sorcerer's Metamagic. So, um, the basic premise behind Metamagic is... Ooh, I forgot to turn the thing back on. Uh, at third level, you gain the ability to twist your spells to suit your needs. You gain two of the following Metamagic options of your choice. Uh, you gain another one at 10th and 17th. So by the time you're level 17, you have four of these options. You can only use one metamagic option on a spell when you cast it, other unless otherwise noted. Um, we have a careful spell. When you cast a spell that forces other creatures to make a saving throw, you can protect some of those creatures from the spell's full force. To do so, you spend one sorcery point and choose a number of those creatures up to your charisma modifier, minimum of one, a chosen creature automatically succeeds on its saving throw against the spell. So basically, if you're a murder hobo that likes to cast fireball, but you don't like killing your friends anymore, Man. this might be a good one to take. You're still going to hurt them, just not as bad. What was that, Toaster Oven? 
Oh, I was just saying, uh, I, I have used this a lot, especially when there were rogues in the mix and they could just mitigate the rest of the damage. Oh, uh, true. Oh, yeah, because if they, yeah. Uh, if they have the, um, what is it, uncanny dodge feat, just on yeah. a success, they just pff, take no yep. damage. Uh, you've got distant spell. When you cast a spell that has a range of five feet or greater, you can spend one sorcery point to double the range of the spell. If you cast a spell that is the range of touch, you can use a sorcery point to make the spell uh, cast out to a range of 30 feet, which is... I know we were... Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I, I really like this one because I know we were talking about uh, maybe uh, like a session, a D&D session or two ago, someone was asking, oh, can I cast uh, Speak with Animals on someone else? It's like, no, it's a self... That's a self one. If you have this one, you can cast it on someone else. Well, with the range of touch, uh, range of self, you still wouldn't be able to cast at 30 feet. Never mind, I'm a moron. Carry on. <laughs> Will do. Uh, empowered <laughs> spell. <laughs> when you roll damage for a spell, you can spend one sorcery point to re-roll a number of the damage dice up to your charisma modifier, minimum of one. You must use the new rolls. You can use Empowered Spell even if you have already used a different metamagic option during the casting of the spell. I think this is the only one that allows you to do both. Like, do it with another thing. But there's plenty of others to go through. I could be wrong. But essentially, if you if you rolled, like, 3d6s for damage, and you got, like, a 2 or a 3 and a 3, you're like, oh, well, that sucked. I'm going to use Empowered Spell. And you roll, and you get three ones. You're stuck with those three ones. This is definitely one of those where it's like, ah, you rolled a few twos and a few ones. Probably re-roll that one, those ones and leave the rest alone. <laughs> right. Uh, extended spell. This one's okay. When you cast a spell that has a duration of one minute or longer, you can spend one sorcery point to double its duration to a maximum duration of 24 hours. I can see this being useful. I would definitely say keep in mind the setting and the goal of your campaign. Uh... Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's other ones here that are better than that. I can see this being useful in a lot of um, RP heavy, like when you have to yes, infiltrate something, exactly. you need to cast a sort of illusion or persuasion spell on someone. Precisely. Uh, which is why I was saying that be mindful of the scenario that you're playing. If you're in a very combat heavy uh, game, I probably wouldn't take that. Because, uh, I mean, most rounds of combat aren't going to last more than 10 rounds. So that one minute, that's more than enough in most cases. Uh, next up, we've got Heightened Spell. When you cast a spell that forces a creature to make a saving throw to resist its effects, you can spend three sorcery points to give one target of the spell disadvantage on its first saving throw made against the spell. It's kind of a... I mean, it just gives you a better chance of having someone, like, fall underneath a... Uh, uh, dominate creature or spell or something like that. Yeah. Fuck all of you and fuck you in particular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quicken spell. When you cast a spell that has a casting time of one action, you can spend two sorcery points to change the casting time to one bonus action for this casting. So where that kind of comes in handy is Bladesinger. Well, no, I'm sorry. This is Sorcerer, not Wizard. Um, so essentially, if you were to cast a... Uh, normal action spell, that's it. That's all you can do for this turn. 
But if you cast a spell as a bonus action, that gives you the ability to cast a cantrip as an action. So yeah, you can... really go ahead. Sorry, I was about to say a really good scenario I've seen for this is uh, someone runs in, fireballs a group of people, everyone gets knocked down but one person. Oh, you're still up. Cantrip fireball to the face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so that was Quicken Spell. Subtle Spell. This is the one I was talking about before. When you cast a spell, you can spend one sorcery point to cast it without any somatic or verbal components. Which, I mean, honestly, if you do that, I don't even know that I would have you roll a stealth check. Because there's nothing to see. It just kind of happens. It's very much, um... I don't know how many people read the Aragon series, but there was a whole thing in that magic system of you could cast. It was they taught you to cast with hand motions and with spoken aloud words to focus. And I don't even think they had cast, hand motions. I think it was all the language. Um, it was mostly language, but some people still used hand motions. I think just to give it that extra concentration. Fair I enough. think Aragon did it a couple times. Um, but you could cast it just thinking the spell it just had the unfortunate uh side effect of sometimes blowing you up <laughs> yeah basically if you're using the language focuses your mind on the task if your mind wanders the spell basically has a, a higher chance of failing and like you said blowing you up uh last but not least we have twin spell when you cast a spell that targets only one creature and doesn't have a range of self. Sorry, Nim. No uh, secret animals. You can spend a number of sorcery points <laughs> equal to the spell's level to target a second creature in range of the same spell. Yep. Run so one sorcery point if the spell is a cantrip. To be eligible, a spell must be incapable of targeting more than one creature at the spell's current level. For example, Magic Missile and Scorching Ray are not eligible because you can target multiple creatures with it but Ray of Frost and Chromatic Orb are. So That was one of my favorites as a sorceress. What, being able to twin spell stuff? The twin spell and um, the distance one, which I was busy yelling at my children, so I wasn't able to mention a fun story with that. But oh, please. I'll continue with twin spell. Oh, no. okay. Go, go ahead. Um, this was my very first D&D campaign, and I chose to be a sorceress. And we were being attacked by a group of riders that were on um, basically like giant eagles. I forget what they're called. Um, so there were people riding these giant birds and coming in and attacking us from a distance. And they were above us. Um, but they were still huddled together. So I had um, Thunderclap. Oh, and uh, I used Thunderclap and used the Distance spell, so that way I could cast it up in the center of these riders. And I rolled a natural 20. Yay. So my DM had me roll the damage, and I murdered all three of them. Because I literally just sent that Thundercloud out from the middle of them. And knocked them all off of their birds at a very high distance. Mm. Uh, so. I can't. I can't find the spell. It's not. It's not thunder. 
cloud. Ah, what is it? The thunder wave? Thunder wave. The one that sends people back a certain distance. Yeah, I think it might be thunder ah. wave. A wave of thunderous force sweeps out from you. Each creature in a 15-foot cube originating from you must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes 2d8 thunder damage and is pushed 10 feet away from you. On a successful save, the creature takes half damage and isn't pushed. In addition, unsecured objects fly around, blah, blah, blah. At higher levels, um, damage is increased by 1d8 for each slot above uh, first level. So what level did you cast it at? Do you remember? I don't remember because it, it was a while ago. It was, um, it was a level 20 spell. It was awesome. The world just broke in half. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> damn. It was just one of those moments that the dice... Com- like combined with the opportune moment of using a spell like that in the center of three people who are trying to you know do combat on the back of flying you know animals that because I rolled a natural 20 it ended up being to where I literally just like knocked them the fuck out and when they fell off of their birds they weren't conscious to break their fall I need to yeah. check something because I'm afraid it wasn't thunder wave Hold on. Cause, it was well, not cause, a high level. Well, because Thunder like Wave, shatter. Thunder Wave is a self. Uh, oh, it's a, it comes from you and radiates out. You might have used Shatter. Right. You well, make a point. Well, I thought you, she said use the distancing spell. Well, yeah, but the yeah. dis- distancing spell. But the distancing and, spell doesn't work with self. It only works with touch or something that is ranged. So that was a situation where my DM made an exception for the distance. Okay. I mean, technically, you can still do it. It just means that it goes from you and goes out to a farther distance. If if we are if we are looking at that spell, the distance spell, or the the distance spell, meta magic feat. When you cast a spell that has a range of five feet or greater, you can spend one sorcery point to double the range of the spell. When you cast a spell that has a range of touch, you can spend one sorcery point to make the range 30 feet. Thunder Wave is self. That is neither range nor touch. Well, yeah, but she, she just said the DM made an exception. No, no. I, so I get in, that, and I'm uh, all for it. I'm just saying that if you are a rules lawyer, unfortunately, that would not have worked. So, not necessarily true. And the only what? reason I'm going to say that is because it says self in the main description. But if you open the spell up, it does say self slash 15 feet. No, the, you are casting it on yourself and it radiates from you 15 feet. That That is different than saying I am casting this at a point centered 15 feet away from me. I guess. I can see that. I mean, it essentially what you're doing is you are clapping your hands. Like there's no... There's no touchy-touchy. Well, There's no, like, right. I'm going to, like, ventriloquist my thunder wave over there. So, real fast, Kirsten. Oh, clap. So, yeah. Kirsten, was, it wasn't the damage that made them fall off. Was it the boom that made them fall? Like, it scared the birds and the birds dropped them off? So, or- it was it was damage plus the fall with them not being able to... So, I basically knocked them out. Yeah, Like, unconscious. Um, and they fell without being able to... It was very much a rule yeah. of cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. I can also see where he might have done the rule of cool because it says the boom is audible out to 300 feet. Yeah. So my intention was to knock them off of their, the birds so they would be down at, you know, combat level with us because we had a lot of melee. Um, gotcha. I, 
I didn't think I would murder all three of them, but it, it, <laughs> hey, it works. just how the dice went, and the DM kind of was like, okay, this is really cool. It was also my first campaign, so part of me thinks he's like, I'm gonna give her this cool moment. <laughs> just, let her, just let her have it for the most part. Right. But okay. it was still... Right. That there in itself it really made me appreciate the ability to do distance spells, especially when you are a caster. And you might have some nice ones that are touch, but I'm squishy and I don't want to get all up in the, the ogre's face that's hurting my friend, but I still want to heal my friend right. kind of situation. And... Again, the, the only reason that I was saying that, oh, my chat avatars just broke really fucking hard there. Uh-oh. That's weird. I'll see if I can fix that. Um, and again, as I've always said, I am really, really big about the rule of cool. I love the rule of cool. But I still feel like I need to play devil's advocate sometimes and just say, like, if you're going by the rules, that would not yeah. have been allowed. Because there are some people out there that are like that. It's like, you have to follow the the rule to the letter. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what's happened to the chat avatars. The web server is down, so I'm just going to turn this off for now, because it looks kind of ugly. We are lost! They're, lost. they're up for me. Like I, I just opened up my OBS, and they're still chatting away for me. Hmm. I wonder if I can just... Uh... Is there a way to refresh? Yeah, it says web servers down. Strange. Refresh cache to current page? Nope, still down. Okay, I don't know what's happened. We'll just stay, disable it for now so it doesn't look so damn ugly. Um, all right, well, I feel like we've touched enough on those uh, that we can move on. Yeah? Any parting yep. thoughts? Um... It's a great... So, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, different classes of bread and butter. It, definitely the Sorcerer's bread and butter, and I think it's a one of the best class features uh, in the game. Uh, sorry, right. say that one more time. I was slightly distracted. No, you're good. I was just saying, like, we've talked a lot of, uh, uh, in the past, and even today a little, we talked a lot about classes like bread and butter, like their main shtick, and... I think that as far as class features go, uh, for like main class feature, I think Sorcerer has one of the better ones with Metamagic because it is very versatile and in a lot of ways just depends on how well uh, the player knows their spells and how good their imagination is sometimes. I. Yeah, <laughs> and on top of that, yeah, it's exactly. Metamagic is available to all Sorcerers. You're not limited to a subclass of it either, right. which is awesome. Also, for those of you looking to uh, spice up a different spellcaster, it's now a feat. Uh, you don't get as many spell ca uh, sorcery points, and you don't get as many uh, uh, different uh, metamagic features. But, hey, you can add a few to your spellcaster. I saw that. You... Add some to your spellcaster today. today. How do you all have so many feats? I only have two. Well, you mm -hmm. take feats instead of ability score increases. But what are you oh, standing he, he... on? <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. I haven't had enough whiskey for this. Uh, okay, so parting thoughts? Uh, oh, but I don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to die. 
Well, shame. Uh, we're going to skip ahead one topic to cover Nim's um, yeah. recommendations because <laughs> he's being requested elsewhere by someone who refuses to join the show. Uh, there. So, you recommended uh, using music and sound effects and voice effects versus just using your own voice uh, for sound effects. So, yeah. my initial statement to this before I leave it to you is absolutely. So long as it doesn't get annoying or interfere with the game. But I turn the floor over to you, dear sir. Oh, the floor is so dirty. I'm going to lick it clean. I do not want that sound effect. Oh, but how do you know I don't already have that in my stream deck? Speaking of... surprise me at all. Matthew Mercer. He is a good person. He has many voices and he can make funny noises with his mouth so what is all y'all's opinion on like just y'all coming over having a couple of beers and then your dm is just making all the funny sounds with his own voice like funny voices let's say a horde of goblins comes up and he's all like goblin horde or would you rather it be how we do it kind of now, only with a little bit more technology of a stream deck or a GoXLR that has a pad where you can queue up sound effects, queue up music via Sirenscape or other methods like Spotify? Which would you prefer? Just uh, mouth-made sound effects or like pre-rendered graphics? Me personally, like the the extra sound effects and all like whenever there's like a horse whinnying or something that's just because i'm too lazy to hit play on one of those uh like ambient music selections and really listen all the way through to it because a lot of those elements have like a delay on it it'll say like this plays randomly anywhere between 55 seconds and a minute and 30 seconds so you may hear it like you know once every 10 minutes or not at all and then you'll hear it like every five seconds just because it's random. Um, I prefer to do the voices and the sound effects with my mouth, but I like having the ambient background because it just, it's a, it's a subtle way of getting you into the environment. If you just hear like trees and birds and a little bit of music, it's not like, like, oh man, listen to the birds and the music. It's like, okay, I feel like I am somewhere. You hear the distant babble of conversation and people hammering and hoofbeats. You feel like you're in a town by a cobbled road. It's not making up for the noises of you walking in on someone that's getting, uh, you know, their toenails clipped and they miss and they go, ah! like, no, you still do that with your mouth. But. Yeah, that that that's my take on it. I I I like having the ambiance there. It just it it puts everyone in this. I feel it puts you in the scene more than just it being dead quiet except for the DM making a few noises every now and then. Fair enough. I definitely agree. Like, especially with when we have the opportunity to use it because we're we are going over the internet, uh, and even if you're live, you can set up your laptop or something to be playing music. At least having music is always a nice thing because it does add that little background white noise. Uh, Definitely with 
uh, like if you're in a town or something, it's nice to have a few mumblings of people talking in the background or like a wagon going by or something. Crackling fire. Uh, streets. Yeah. It's nice to, if you go into like a really um, kind of shady and uh, uh, market interior or something, you might have like uh, the the uh, light clanging of maybe something hanging from the ceiling as the as you open the door and the wind blows it so it kind of clangs around a little bit um some something like some nice ambient noise is always appreciated it's never required but it's always a nice thing to add a little bit more mm-hmm. uh ambience uh as for like i definitely am the similar way of like i like making sound effects that i know i can make i like doing the voices as a dm and i like hearing other dms do their version of sounds or voices or whatever um can we all agree that matthew mercer's sound for the giant like ice worm was fucking terrifying oh it was (laughs) so good (laughs) i don't know what sound it is i'll i'll find a clip uh, of it for you later um not all of us are Matthew Mercer. Not all of us can make unbelievably realistic <laughs> sounds with our mouth. So it's nice to augment every now and then with, um, it's nice to augment every now and then with like a sound bite, uh, that gets the point across a lot better than you, the DM could. It just, it can't be distracting. It can't take you out of the game. It shouldn't take you, if you're using a sound for like a goblin attack and you're like, a, you don't want to be like, and all of a sudden, wait for it. Just, mm. just a minute. Just a minute. Okay, and then it happens like that. That's bad. Yeah. And I, so, mm-hmm. like, if, if we play, well, if, when we play this in person, um, are you going to be bringing down your stream deck and other things, your computer that has a bunch of sound effects or? Uh, no, because Sirenscape is all online, so I just need an internet connection and a device that, because uh, you can get a, the Sirenscape app on your phone. So I would literally have the player open like on my phone, plugged into like a Bluetooth speaker or something, and then on like my uh, Samsung tablet or something like that, I can have the web page open and I can be cycling through the, the, the background music there and it would just be playing around us. Excuse me, young man. You'd be coming up here. Regardless of where we are, I have a way of playing it in person as well as over the internet. So, you're you're more of like modernizing D&D, making it more digital. Like, I know we're playing over the, the interwebs, but like making digital sound effects and music to where back in the oldie times when I was in high school... We uh, did all this stuff with our mouths, and I'm like, if we had music on, it was probably just background Lord of the Rings music. Well, yeah, I'm not so much about like fully digitized. The, the reason that we're doing this online is because we cannot physically be together to play. It's more of mm-hmm. a necessity. On top of that, though, like, sure, if, if we were in person and we didn't have all this technology, uh. I would say, like, you know, you walk into a tavern, you hear them, there's a pianist plinking away at an old piano, like, but then I, I would have to stop and and move on to describe the rest. And, you know, I can't be making those sounds while you guys are 
playing with each other and role-playing and talking to NPCs. So that's why I say I like having the ambient music. I don't want to use it for creature noises because that's kind of fun. Uh, but like when you guys were down in the mines with the mushroom tender and just having that haunting just the the ambient like going on the whole time just like fading in and out that just like subconsciously gives you a sense of like what the fuck is going to be around the corner versus it just being like me describing that once and then it being dead quiet again yeah the gator dimension welcomes all it's not necessary digitizing yeah it's not necessary but it is always uh nice if you do it correctly yeah and if you don't have a slow-ass computer that takes five seconds to play a simple wave file. Right. I I don't know that I agree with having a soundboard for creature noises. Just because I feel like the time it would take for me to hunt and pick and find those and have them ready for everything else that I need to be focusing on is a little mm-hmm. much. Like, I already have trouble cycling through and finding the transition from nighttime to interior to traveling so trying Besides. to find sound effects for like you're walking around you hear the roar of a dinosaur in the distance I, it's to me that's just too much and it takes away from the, the joy of it have have the background shit ready to go and that's pretty much all you need in my book I, I've seen other streams on Twitch of like people playing D&D online mm-hmm. and there's a DM who has like four stream deck XLs with like 50 different banks connected to like three different computers with like three sets of either close nearby or far variants of sound effects for weapons and creatures and all that. Yeah. I mean, it's like good it's for cool him. if you could do it, but that's a lot of money. I mean, my yeah. little stream deck was like 150. Like, it was a great mm-hmm. buy. I love it to death. I wish I had a bigger one. But those are like two, three hundred bucks, man. They're they're mm-hmm. pricey. And Ian is better than all of them. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, not, not to be biased, but I do think that our stream is a little bit more unique and personalized and friendly compared to other D and D streams that I've seen on Twitch, because a lot of them are trying to be critical role. And they're trying to commercialize everything and be more over the top to where us, we're a family and we're like playing as a family. And like, we are our characters to where everyone else is just actors. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're not professionals. This is a hobby. We're having fun. Except for Zach. Zach just wants to win. Kill everything. (laughs) (laughs) I like having fun too. It's just because I enjoy. Yeah, but you guys don't like me having fun, Kirsten. (laughs) Your suffery barbs. Listen, Um, I was just being smart. Excuse me, young man. If you want me to not let you have fun, I can do that. Challenge accepted. (laughs) I'll find that (laughs) Tarask. What's a Tarrasque again? Uh, no, nothing. Don't worry about it. Uh, so, Nim, any other mm-hmm. closing remarks as far as this particular topic goes so we can release him to the wild? Uh, use background audio to 
stop the awkward silences of people farting silently around the table, even though they aren't farting silently and you can hear them, but you don't want to look at them and embarrass them. And also use sound effects if you can. I'm not going to lie. I stopped paying attention partway through that. Yeah, because you, you, you're, you're the person who farts all the time. I can neither confirm nor deny these accusations. I plead the fifth. Stinky. Okay. All right. Uh, so you're going to dip out to go help someone else with something thingy? Yeah. I wish you luck, good sir. Uh, thank you. I should hopefully be back. If not, then uh, it, it, nobody touch my moss. Touch <laughs> If he's not back before the stream is done, you can catch him again on Monday for Pest Place, which I believe we're going to continue Halo 3, so long as Metal's yes. available. If he's not available, yes. maybe we'll do two. Yep. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Yes, All right. So. Bye. Last topic, hopefully not the least, is another one suggested by Zeke because no one else has given me topics. I just uh, did. Fuck you. You're welcome. Homebrewing different spell stats for spellcasters. Yes or no? And what he means by this is a sorcerer uses charisma as their spellcasting modifier. But what if they used wisdom? So, Or intelligence. Or, or in So my... I only wrote like two paragraphs, like two very small paragraphs about this, and then I'm going to let Zeke take over because I think he's probably got a better... My, my initial assessment of this is there's no blanket answer. Uh, this is another one of those situations where it's all up to the DM. For me personally, I would lean towards saying no unless the player had a damn good reason for it. Like, the, the rules are there for a reason. Uh, not to mention that it would be a colossal pain in the ass to swap every spell from one stat to another... Granted, you could just say that anything that was charisma-based is now wisdom-based, but it's it's still, it's clunky. Um, and I just foresee there being a lot of awkwardness and things just not working right. But, uh, Zeke, I'm going to pass it over to you since you're the one that suggested it. I'm assuming you have some idea of what your, how this would be um, feasible. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, um... I'll be honest, it's been a while since I suggested this, so I don't remember the exact reason uh, this popped up in my head to suggest. Uh, but there are a few points that I've always had rattling around in my head, and it's it mostly comes from a... not really a functional uh, place, like not really a min-maxing, but more of a role-playing aspect. Because um, when you choose uh a class uh or when you whenever you come up with a character you might think oh it would be really cool to play a sorcerer uh that is really good at insight or really good at um perception um but your main stats are going to be if you depending on how you do that, your usually your main stats for Sorcerer are going to be Charisma and Constitution, and everything else is going to take a little bit of a backseat. So that doesn't so Dexterity, well. Constitution, and uh, your, your Wisdom. So your, your Constitution and your Dex, so that you have like more than a can of soup's worth of hit points, and you have a little bit more of an AC, because your Dexterity, you can dodge, essentially. Right. 
Right. Um, so wisdom, stuff like wisdom and intelligence are going to take a back seat. Well, what if you want to be a really intelligent... Um, say, say we're using the point-by system here. Point-by system does not leave a lot of room for a third high stat. You usually have your two high stats and everything else kind of takes a back seat. And, well, you uh, could have really three high it. stats, but then the rest of your stats are going to be tens, basically. Or, or eights. Or probably less. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, that's actually eights. Yeah, and one might be even less than that. And um, even then, the most you can give yourself is 15. Right. Um, well, no, you can... If you're doing the point-by system, I don't believe you can go higher than a 15. I'll have to check that. But uh, Or even if you're rolling and you just don't roll uh, a good set of numbers, you're like, well, there goes my idea for a sorcerer that's really good at anything other than charisma-based uh, uh, abilities. Point so by it, the highest you can go is 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it, it's more of a role-play aspect than anything else of, well, what if you just want to put a new spin on a character the rules as is doesn't really give a lot of wiggle room for uh, that point by or those unfortunately low uh, d6 rolls for your stats. Like my seven. Oh, yes. shut up! Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, typically the sorcerer or the bard, those charisma spellcasters are going to be persuasive or intimidating uh or deceptive the cleric is going to be insightful and perceptive uh the wizard is going well, to be good at investigation stuff like that like i'm i'm just saying for certain situations um it's it's normal uh, it's the normal situation is is that if you have those ro low rolls like would D would you as a DM be okay with like oh well I see where you're coming from and it doesn't change that much other than a little bit of copy and paste well to get a cool idea off the ground. I'm gonna use your same words and say that as the DM, I see what you're saying, but I also kind of disagree. Okay. And the reason for that being is now that I kind of fully understand what it is you're talking about is. I believe that the reason all the different classes have specific um, skill modifiers that they lean heavily into is because they want you to have a more well-rounded team. The Barbarian is not going to be smart. They're going to get mind-controlled a bunch, but it's very good to have someone on your team that is less susceptible, a wizard, a sorcerer who has been training their minds to not be susceptible to that and kill the fuck out of them. And the same coin, the wizard and the sorcerer are very much not strong. However, you've got Chungus McCloud Man over here that can just pick them up by the scruff of their neck and carry them as they wade through lava screaming to drop them off and go, all right, I'm going back for the cleric. Be right back and do it again because that's what he's there for. I would... I think that the main the main point of that, of why like a, a sorcerer is charisma based and a wizard is intelligence based, is as you make the party, you've got the people that are good at doing those different 
things. The Barbarian's going to be good at physicality things. The Wizard's going to be good at, like you said, investigating and perception because that's I... their world. Okay, so I do have to point this one out. I did... So this actually came from an anime I watched. I don't know why. I watched like two episodes. And I was like, yeah, it's not for me. But I did like one of the characters. And it threw me up really fucking hard because I didn't expect it or see it coming. So how this could pertain to like how certain classes do certain things... Um, it's like, it's one sorry, of those where, bug. yeah, sorry, there was something on my keyboard. I just want Me to too. <laughs> um, but so there's, it's a world where magic is everything, even melee, like users. So like fighters use magic to a degree and it's really powerful, like sorcerer I, in that world. A sorcerer is just somebody who uses magic. Don't look into it anymore other than guy uses magic. And I'm sitting there, and he's fucking jacked. I mean, like, I'm sitting here like, okay, so this dude just works out a lot. And fucker literally gets into his first fight, and I'm like, okay, cool, let's see what spells he's going to sling. Fucking imbues his hands with magic and just starts beating the living shit out of a dragon. And I'm like, I kind of wish I would have fought a little bit harder because kind of could have seen that one coming from a mile away, but just, it's not the norm like if you see a powerful sorcerer the first thought in your head is usually shoots powerful spell out of hand not imbues body with magic to become even more of a fucking meathead it, it kind of leans a little bit almost into full metal alchemist in a way agree. yeah like uh armstrong yeah like yeah but that's the things like it's not that he's stupid he's not stupid he's just not as smart as a lot of the other wizards so his form of magic was put into what he was good at and he was always you know he like bodybuilding i guess or he yeah. liked you know working out and being active so that's what his magic ended up you know coming into but at the same time you do have situations where warriors or barbarians not saying they can't be extremely strong but like there are plenty of examples out there where like it's a barbarian but they're getting older in life and they're wise. Like, yes, they may be ruthless in combat, but they're not stupid. They make very intelligent decisions in well, the heat of combat. And even though they're angry, I, I want to be clear here that I'm not, I'm not saying that barbarians are stupid and that wizards and whatever can't like lift things. I just mean that they can't do it to the extent that their party members can. And that's the point I that these know. people fill niches in the group. I mean, if you look at Critical Role Season 1, when What's-His-Face left, their, uh, their sorcerer, all of a sudden, like, a lot of their damage is gone. Uh, a fair amount of their support is gone. Especially when, when Ashley has to go away and they don't have Pike. Like, that is monstrously detrimental. They have to be so careful, because essentially their healing is just more than cut in half. Yes. When those people go to where they're going before, so Ashley plays a cleric. Oh, when she goes, like she, the... yes, she travels a bunch for work. She does voice acting and actual acting. Like she just physically cannot be there. So for like fifty percent or more of the game, she's unfortunately just not able to be there to play. So they're down a healer. Their sorcerer was. Um, you know, asked to leave because he had, or chose to leave. I don't remember the specifics, but essentially he left the group because their uh, 
ideas of how the game should be done just didn't mesh and that's fine that happens but there was a lot of their you know extra damage gone there was a lot of their uh utility casting gone and you kind of notice it and like if they're ever out and about and like grog is out their barbarian when he's out doing something and um vax isn't there well, he's not going to be able to smooth talk his way out of anything. He's not going to be able to pick a lock and finesse his way through stuff. Meanwhile, Vax is over there and he's stuck on a door with no lock and he can't get it open because he's not as strong as Grog. You've, you've got those gaps that that's the point of the party having strengths and different characteristics that when you start shifting those, to me, that kind of unbalances the game and kind of defeats the purpose well, of you guys having a spread of characters instead of like three sorcerers, but... One is intelligence, one is no, wisdom, no, one is no. charisma. You, you have completely missed my point. <laughs> no, I, I'm not... I'm just no, saying no, it very broadly. No, because I'm not, I'm not saying that for that purpose. I'm, I'm saying in a way that... Say that you have, a, you have a person who wants to make a character that is very uh, charismatic... Right, but they don't want to play sorcerer, bard, or uh, paladin. They want to play this like smooth talking person, but they don't want to and a spellcaster. But they don't want to play one of those three players. They actually like how the wizard uh, plays better, or they like how the druid plays better. They like those abilities better, but they don't want to. They don't want to shoot themselves in the foot uh, in case the dice roll, the point by, just doesn't work out. So, I'm not saying that they're trying to make a party of all one uh, I, class or they're or they're trying to do both. I'm saying they're trying to exchange that. I'm aware of that. And I'm not I was making that reference as an extreme example. Okay. I totally understand what you're saying, but again, what I'm getting at is that if you want to play a druid that's charismatic, great. Put points in charisma. I don't think that the way to solve that is to say that, well, the Bard's spellcasting modifier is now charisma. I don't think that's the way to go. Or you could even, since, you know, everybody can do whatever they want, the DM can come up with an item that increases their charisma. Because, I mean, like, other than being worked. Yeah, other than those items literally being there to add points to a certain stat, I mean, that charisma is not going to do anything for you in combat. I mean, I mean like, there's absolutely not nothing to say that you can't have a barbarian with, you know, 20 intelligence. Eight, 18 strength and 20 intelligence. There's nothing wrong with that. You're going to hurt somewhere else in one of your other stats, but that's the game. Yeah, it's like, again, it's are you in the game for RP purposes or are you in the mix of the two or are you a min-maxer? Like it's, I, honestly, it's whatever you feel like playing or whatever you feel like doing. I just I do not agree with. I don't agree with the idea of a sorcerer whose spellcasting modifier is charisma being able to say, "Oh, well, I'm just really intelligent. Like I'm super smart, so I just want my spellcasting modifier to be that," because that that shifts the party dynamic a little bit. Now, if you want to be a sorcerer that has a lot of points in charisma and intelligence, your spellcasting modifier is still charisma, but one of your other stats may suffer for it. And again, that's the game. I made Boar dumb as fuck. I think his intelligence was like a six so that I could have a, like my strength maxed. 
I still think you're missing the point. But I moving on the other the other. How um, am I missing your point? What am I missing? I don't quite understand it either, Zeke. I'm not gonna lie. I don't quite understand the point you're trying to make. It's it's not a because you keep going back to oh you're unbalancing the party. How how would that unbalance the party? That has nothing to do with the party dynamics. This is not about a party dynamic of of that type. It's you're just trying to make a character that you're a person if a person is trying to make a character that does not fit the normal mold what if they want to make a a, a druid that isn't wise like Chicken. i'm saying you're, i'm trying i'm trying to say are what is wrong oh, okay. with someone trying to break so the mold i i, I understand okay so what i'm saying is that a a druid has wisdom as their spellcasting modifier right yeah so basically what a druid who is a class of the forest of the wilderness, they're going to be good at animal handling, insight, medicine, perception, survival. Those are all things that a druid are generally supposed to be good at. If you then instead say, well, I want a very charismatic druid. Can I please change my things from wisdom to intelligence? Or sorry, uh, then charisma. All of a sudden, you're very good at deception, intimidation, performance, and persuasion, those aren't really, like, druid things. That's... I think I understand where he's coming with, and I think I understand where you're going with it. It's like, to a degree, certain classes are usually innately assumed to be good at certain things. Yes. What Zeke is saying is, I'm not. So, for example... You will use your druid. Druid are really good at talking to animals, doing certain things. Well, I want to play a druid that's not good at any of that. But I still want to be effective in some of the spells that I cast. So, like, I don't know if there's, like, so well, certain damaging spells might be good. Like, What, what I'm getting start- at about the party dynamic is that when you do that, you change your thing to charisma. Well, then, now you've got the player that wanted to play a sorcerer that was really good at charisma. And now you've just got two people that are really good at charisma. Instead of having someone that's good at charisma and someone that's good at wisdom. that That's what I mean about the party dynamic being upset. I can see where you're coming with this one. You're but not I'll, even going to necessarily have that, though. So, I'm going to put... I'm going to give you guys my two cents on this one. Because I probably am the newest person in here when it comes to a lot of D&D stuff. So, the way that I'm going to think of it is as somebody who's new. While it does, to a degree break the mold of kind of how you assume party things should like party dynamics should be at the same time if you do it well and you find ways to overcome your problems by using different solutions I don't necessarily see it being the biggest negative out there obviously yes like if you have a dumb druid and you come up with a not a dumb druid but a druid who might not be good at talking to animals hypothetically and you have a situation that comes up where, you know, you need you might need to talk to animals to get through a certain part or get through some situation that will make you go through door A instead of door B. Door A being a little easier. Well, yeah, but then you have to be creative in your way of handling that situation where, okay, you can't talk to the animal. So how do we get through this by using another means? And I guess that's not answering the whole question, but it's... It's all your party. Like, I understand that there's that mold. 
But at the same time, if you can work as a party and you can work as, you know, players to kind of move the narrative or move the story along or progress through a situation maybe outside of a norm, like the assumed way to do it, or even even more creative than somebody would normally put a creative tag on something, then I can see how it would be useful. I don't think changing the modifier for the stat, though, would fix it. I think that you'd be better off instead of changing, like, so for example, I think you guys said Druid was uh, Wisdom. Instead Correct. of changing, like, their modifier to Intellect, instead, when you make your character's backstory, change it so that, okay, hey, I might be bad at this, but then pick one other thing that you might be good at to kind of subvert that understanding that you're making, you're taking that detriment because that's how you want your character to play as. You have to understand in that situation you're putting yourself in a handicap regardless of if it's fun for the way you want your character to be that's totally true if you want to play your druid that's not good at something that they're assumed to be good at that's fine they're in a world of humanity right now i guarantee you there are stupid computer programmers there are really athletic nerds it's like just because we assume that something is normally like how we assume like how we imagine them in our head doesn't always mean that that's what they're going to be like but I mean, at the same time, you can have a plus eight in your athletics and still fail the role. Like it's it's only like it's it, sure it'll help you, but yeah. you still and have a chance of failing. Yeah. But again, at that point, like D and D is is good enough to where you can modify the. I literally made a fucking stat that says plus eight to rolling a D fucking twenty. It's a meme. It literally does nothing for me, but I made something for it. Like go in your stats. If you talk to your DM and like, hey. I don't want to be super great at this, but like my character has got a background in playing sports or being very athletic. Can I specifically add plus two to athletics just for athletics? It doesn't affect anything else that might be affected by an athletic modifier. I think it's like dexterity or whatever, but just that specifically for that specific well, character for that situation. In that particular so sense, that's why you have backstories. Your backstories and your origins are generally what are going to let you pick proficiencies in things. So if you're a druid and you pick some other, like, city slicker um, origin, then it's going to say, okay, you have this list of uh, skills to have proficiency in. And all of a sudden, you've got a plus three in it. You might have to, you might have to be creative in a way that you are better at something that you would normally not be better at, and worse in a way that you might not normally be worse in. I just don't think... I think I understand where you're trying to get, Zeke. Because, yes. to be fair, that does create some really interesting dynamic when it comes to a character. What happens if you have a warrior that maybe isn't all that strong? But instead of being strong, he's very precise. Maybe he's very direct with his attacks. He always finds a weak spot. You can RP that without really reducing a stat and making something else better. If that makes any sense. It's just all the way in how you handle it. Zeke. No, I, no, I'm just I'm just sitting here because this topic got completely away from what I was talking about. I don't I don't uh, Well Zach Zach, you understood kind of what I was going for better than Ian, but it this this topic kind of got away from me, so I'm I'm just waving my white flag here. I guess I understand that it might not be what you, I it may have to be something we revisit later when we have a better handle on it, but 
I kind of get where you're going with it. I just I understand where you're going with it, but I just I see it breaking things. I see it breaking the point of the game. I I can't see what you're seeing, Ian. (laughs) Listen, we can have a difference of opinion here. Yes, doesn't matter. My just because you guys are both wrong and I'm right doesn't mean that we can't all have a narrative. (laughs) My final thoughts on this is that. If you are a sorcerer and your spell stat is charisma, but you also want to be intelligent, put points into intelligence and charisma. That's how the game's meant to be played. Changing a stat because you just want your spell casting to be initiative because not, not initiative, intelligence because you want to be more <laughs> focused on intelligence and that's what your character's like. I don't agree with that. Listen, I want my spells to be as fast as possible. They're not strong, they're just initiatively fast. <laughs> Fuck it. My spellcasting modifier is dexterity. <laughs> I fucking Naruto I think... finger gestures it. <laughs> I, don't, I will say I don't think this works for anything outside of spellcasters. So oh, like God, no. Like with, the, with the fighter, that I don't think that works at all. I don't uh, even think well, it works actually, for all... What? Why wouldn't it? Uh, if we're going off of your thing, then a, a fighter is what? Strength, normally? Well, could they not? Yeah, is it, strength or dexterity. dexterity. Oh, it's and dexterity. Okay, sorry. Yeah, fighter can be strength or any any of the martial classes can really excel in strength or dexterity. Some are designed for one over the other, but technically they can yeah. do either. I mean, metal metal had a dexterity based paladin, which was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I it mean, worked. Fair, if it you worked. really, yeah, if you really think about it, though, like. D&D does stuff in black and white. Not that that's bad, but like if you really think about it, if you're a barbarian or you're a fighter and you're really strong, obviously you're going to be better at what you do. But if you really think about combat, combat isn't all just about hitting something super hard. It's being intelligent to know when to go into a fight. It's being smart enough and wise you take that enough shit to know back. where to strike. Monkey it's, brain yeah. say bonk, we bonk. It's all about... <laughs> nothing is any like nothing is only one stat technically if you really look at how combat is done or situations are handled you may be it's it's always just kind of like it's a game to a degree you're confined by you're confined somewhat by the mechanics of how the game is designed and of all people who like breaking the mold trust me i fucking see it like, I love breaking the mold because I make people very angry, but I come up with ways to handle situations that normally aren't. You make people angry, but you're doing it via the rules of the game, which is what is fascinating about you. Yeah, it's, I, it's again, you have to look, don't look at it in a way like, you're looking at this in a way that makes sense for like a DM to look at it. When to be fair, you shouldn't look at it like that because you're confining yourself into, I have to follow these sets of rules even if I change the stats, you're still you're still putting forth rules for you to follow. Don't make rules. Break them. Like, the best way for you to ever come up with a system that works in a way you want it to work is not by changing something that exists. It's by inventing something that follows the rules that you make. And that's one of the reasons why, like, in campaigns, like, for example, like I said before, when my rabbit jumped fucking, I think it was like 45 feet up into the air because I was just able to put myself in that situation with the rules that I came up with. I followed a rule, we play tested it, it seemed like it was balanced enough, and we accepted it. Find a way to get what you want 
while coming up with rules that are balanced to an, a degree enough to where a DM will accept what you say as being something that could be used being fun and not breaking the game in a absolutely busted way, like, you'll just kill everything all the time or you'll be able to handle every situation out there. It's like, that's always the best way to do it. There it's are absolutely kind of... ways in the game... <clears throat> Hold on. Hmm? There are absolutely ways in the game that if you Sorry, are a, screaming outside my window, I was if you oh, are a charisma-based caster, there are loads of ways via the game and its multitude of rules to increase your other stats to be very comparable. Yeah. So, or like do it the way that Grog did. You know, see Grog. Oh yeah, the uh, the orc rogue that put all of his points into strength so that he can intimidate the fuck out of people, and they can't see him because of yes, this, like he intimidated them to not seeing him. It's it's literally the honestly I think I understand what you're saying, Zeke. I I really do. I don't really know how to word it in a way that will make sense to a degree where you can accept what I'm saying is understanding. But I know what you're trying to do, and I honestly think instead of changing the system, that beat exists, the system coming up with a system of your own that makes enough sense to where somebody can use it in the game as is will end up netting a better result if that makes any sense to you it... yes and no um i just and obviously i think we're all three gonna have our own opinions about this but like just personally i feel like there isn't it isn't that much of a problem to change uh, certain spellcasters' spell modifying stat. Now, granted, I would not change a wizard. I don't think that makes sense at all. I, I think this makes sense for maybe sorcerers and maybe... And? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. <laughs> More screaming we outside the house. Have, yeah, apparently... We apparently had um, we apparently had a intruder in the pool area. Um, oh, fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I wouldn't do that for a wizard because I I don't think that would make sense. Um, wouldn't I don't know uh, about cleric because um, obviously I think wisdom fits very well, and I don't know if charisma or intelligence well, would fit very well either but so what, I, what i was what i was saying was like for for it's a, like a different example a warlock who wasn't charismatic because like <laughs> charisma just seems like they picked one out of midair for warlock i don't I'm see not why gonna lie. Warlock i can see that situation specifically like yeah i, can see I don't see why yeah a warlock couldn't be intelligent or wise and uh, i don't see why a sorcerer who's Magic doesn't come from a from like a bard doesn't come from a place of um, music and performance, which would be right now. Yes. Oh, I thought you said. Hold on, I gotta go. Well, I think I have won this conversation. I am the well, winner. So you guys all suck. Well, now while he's not here, he's kind of already contradicting himself. No, I. So he wants it to be true for a specific situation, for a specific two classes. Right. Whereas but, I'm not looking at it as a way of that. I'm looking at it as a whole. I, I, I am looking at it as a whole as well, because he's talking about, like, 
a bard, for example, he's like, oh, well, they got to be charismatic because they got to perform and schmooze. It's like, you could be intelligent. You could be very fucking intelligent and do that exact same thing. Well, yeah. So, I mean, him saying that, like, oh, this is only going to work for this and this is like, that's that's fundamentally not true. If you're doing this, it has to be available to more than just the class that you want. Because, like, sure, I could see a sorcerer being intelligent or wise or charismatic to do their stuff. It makes sense. I, I get that. And same with bards and, you know, like the rogue. Like the rogue is supposed to be dexterous and sneaky, but instead he was just big and loud and intimidating. Yeah, I do think, I personally, if I had to put my two cents on it, I do think that instead of following a mold, like... I, see, I can see where his argument is coming from. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a big deal to do, to uh, do this to do this one thing in this one situation. I can agree. I don't think it is that big a deal. Whether it's a big deal or not, does it make sense? Well, honestly, no. But like, I can see I can see where he's coming from. I just don't think that he's. I'm. Uh, I think I'm looking at the a bigger picture than he is. He's not seeing it as much of a problem because it's not breaking the character itself. But the way that I'm looking at it is you want this traditionally charisma character to be intelligence-based. But then why are you not just playing a character that's intelligence-based? Or at that point, this other person that wanted to be an intelligence-based character, like, it... I I don't don't know. I can see... So, for example, you want to play a character that's this but not this. Mm-hmm. So, a cleric is what wisdom. Uh, yes. Does Zahn seem very wise to you? In anything other than literally combat? Yeah, you literally have your wisdom there so that you can cast your spells good. But that's not saying that I can't do other things. It's exactly. just for me the way that I see Zahn as a character. My wisdom modifier does not pertain to all wisdom. It's He's smart in the things that he's very adept in outside of, like, the norm. So he's not wise in, you should do this with your life. He can be, if he, to a degree, understands the situation like Kasumi, where she was the only, she was the only one of her whatever, and she, you know, people didn't like her a lot. or Like, he can, he can relate to that because Mm -hmm. it's a situation that, to a degree, he's been through. Or, to a degree, like, again, to a degree, he's been through. But, like... I think we're I'm starting to talk in circles a bit here. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention the main person that wants to um, talk about it had to leave for things. Yeah, so, I have a feeling it's dealing with uh, yeah. the screaming. So with that being said, we've been going for almost two hours, and I feel like we've talked in circles of Zeke thinking I don't understand when I understand, but I don't think he thinks I understand. Um, and I'm just I'm poking holes and being devil's advocate and and a broader scale than what he is trying to narrowly focus on. Uh, But regardless, doesn't matter. I don't agree. He doesn't agree. Zach is Zach. Um, I'm right. So with that being said, uh, if you haven't already joined the discord link, I just posted in the stream chat. If you're listening to this later, link should be down below somewhere to join us. Uh, We're always looking for more people to hang out with and do stuff with. And if you want to pop in for whiskey Wednesdays and share your two cents, by all means, please do. Every other Wednesday, we're live. Um, 
I don't believe there's anything else going on this week. I don't think we have any other streams planned, but we will have um, Pez Plays next Monday, and uh, the campaign will be played next Friday. Not this coming Friday, but the Friday after. So, yeah. Zach, Isa, any last comments, concerns? Well, that I can think of. Oh, I was about to say, Isa, you in here? Oh, she's sneaking Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> I haven't heard you say nothing. I'm back. Oh, well, we're, um, we're signing oh. off. Sorry. Yeah, That's we you decided did. we were right, you were wrong, and you just got to get off. We, we were kind of talking <laughs> ourselves in circles. It, was, uh, it wasn't really going anywhere. But, uh, okay, you, you guys are small-minded. I get it. Just can't see the bigger picture. Uh, who confuses you as a DM by breaking the mold? Oh, it's okay. Course. I just disconnected him. <laughs> ah, I thought he left. <laughs> no, uh-uh. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, Zeke. Who, uh, who, who made you really think it's a DM as your player that you've never really handled before? In oh, any case, right. good night, everybody. Love you all. Be safe. And at the very least, we'll see you Monday for Pez Plays. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Fools and Flagons podcast. If you enjoy our adventures, you can catch us live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Fools and Flagons. That's Fools, the letter N, Flagons. All one word. If you want to hang out with the fools and other nerds, come join our Discord. The links can be found in the description.